When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. We all need a break from the constant cycle to learn something new, to gain new perspectives. The Great Courses Plus streaming service is an excellent resource to expand our knowledge on a variety of subjects or pick up a new hobby. I've been enjoying the Great Courses Plus while researching this season of Flashback. Lectures like Play Ball, The Rise of Baseball as America's Pastime, History of the Supreme Court, and Battlefield Europe have helped me connect the dots on several stories from history. Right now, they're giving our listeners a special limited-time offer, a free month of unlimited access to their entire library. Sign up now through our special URL. Go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash Aussie. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash O-Z-Y. thegreatcoursesplus.com slash Aussie. Before we start today's episode, please be sure to support Flashback by rating and leaving a review for us right here in your podcast app. Also, do you think you're getting the hang of history's unintended consequences? If so, answer this question about next week's episode for a chance to win a shout-out. Ready? Fingers on buzzers. What 1995 event helped lead to billions in extra revenue for the NBA? Think you know the answer? Take your best guess and leave it as a comment in your podcast app, along with your five-star review. Thanks for listening. In 1902, a young engineer named Willis Carrier encountered a situation that many of us are all too familiar with, a printer problem. Carrier had been hired by a printing company in Brooklyn. Summer humidity was causing their paper to swell, to jam in the presses to print incorrectly. So rather than a crisp image, they were getting a blur. They were wasting tons of paper, missing deadlines. Uh, this was a huge problem. Carrier was the son of a farmer and something of an eccentric genius, the kind of head-in-the-clouds guy who would occasionally pack a suitcase with just a handkerchief inside or order a three-course meal and not take a bite. Carrier had just graduated from Cornell when he was asked to find some way to fix the company's printers. He mulled over the issue for weeks. 
Then one day, as he was standing on a foggy railroad platform, contemplating the mist around him, an idea struck him. Carrier Solution not only solved the printer problem, it changed the world. And his invention continues to have ripple effects today that impact everything from the comfort of your living room to the size of your government to even possibly the outcome of the U.S. elections this fall. Welcome to Flashback, a podcast from Ozzy about unintended consequences. I'm your host and history instructor, Sean Braswell. Up until about 100 years ago, a climate-controlled environment was a fantasy, the stuff of science fiction novels. Mark Twain once said that everyone talks about the weather, but no one does anything about it. Well, in 1902, Willis Carrier finally did something about it. Today's episode is about something most of us take for granted, air conditioning. But it's really about the power of comfort. Comfort can move mountains. And more importantly, it can move people. Every summer, millions of tourists and school children descend on Washington, D.C. to take in the sights and sounds of the nation's capital. And every summer, millions wish they had decided to visit during a different time of year. Hundreds of thousands of people celebrating Independence Day in the nation's capital will face dangerous heat temperatures in Washington. Monuments and lofty words inscribed upon them just don't seem to matter as much when you are baking in a pool of your own sweat. Very hot. <laughs> it's really gross. Really hot. It's pretty warm today, yeah. These days, at least, you have the option of going to a museum or some other air-conditioned area. But let's go back in time for a moment. Back to a simpler time, a far less comfortable time. It can be hard for us today to imagine Washington, D.C., or many places in America, before climate-controlled buildings. In the days before air conditioning, American life during dangerously hot weather wasn't all that different from American life during beautiful, cool weather. Salvador Basil is a social historian and author of Cool, How Air Conditioning Changed Everything. And this was because people in those days were operating under a Victorian standard. They did their best to act as if they didn't notice the heat. They were trained this way from birth. But a stiff upper lip didn't prevent one from feeling the heat or being affected by it. So every newspaper in America during the summer months had its daily column of heat prostrations and heat strokes and heat fatalities. It wasn't unusual for thousands of people to die during a major heat wave. No one thought much of this. The upper floors of office buildings, including Manhattan's dazzling new skyscrapers, were like ovens. Most theaters lacked ventilation or windows, and audience members baked in the summer months. But it went beyond that. Getting a night's sleep was usually impossible. Some people went so far as to climb to their rooftops for a breath of air, where a few of them fell asleep and rolled off to their deaths. To cope with the heat during the day, people would congregate outdoors in the shade or at a swimming pool. They'd drink ice drinks on porches, take a quick dip in public fountains, take naps under trees and parks. And the nation's capital was especially hot. As soon as the plaster was dry, everyone in the federal government realized that Washington was one of the worst places to locate the nation's capital. And it didn't take long for America's leaders to avoid the capital. Many presidents used to skip town during the summer months. Teddy Roosevelt liked to go bear hunting in Colorado. Calvin Coolidge once took his entire family, five canaries, two dogs, and a pet raccoon to the Black Hills of South Dakota. 
Members of Congress also stayed clear of D.C. in the middle of the summer. But working there was still a miserable experience. A member of Congress would collapse and then possibly die. And other lawmakers simply assumed that he had been done in by the temperature. Members of Congress did their best to cope with the heat. Lawmakers would adjourn for the day if the temperature got too uncomfortable. They all adopted white linen suits. One congressman became famous for the fact that at a certain point in the calendar, he would remove his toupee and spend the rest of the time bald. Uh, They drank a great deal of lemonade made for them in the cloakroom, along with other beverages. And if things got really tough, they would sneak down to the Capitol basement, where there was a room of bathtubs, and they would take a quick plunge to uh, restore themselves. Sometimes even that was not enough. But a number of those men dropped dead anyway, and the buildings didn't help. There were rooms without air, there were rooms without windows. One congressional chamber was so notorious for heat that everyone called it the oven. The result was absolutely unbearable. And it would be unbearable for the next 70 years as they kept trying to tinker with the system. Nothing helped. At least until Willis Carrier. Let's go back to that foggy railroad platform in 1902. Now fog is really nothing more than water droplets that have condensed out of the air. And as you may know, cool air cannot carry as much water as warm air can. So Carrier realized that if you could pass warm air across a refrigerated object, then you could cool that air down, reducing its humidity level, which in turn would cool the surrounding air as well. Carrier built what he called the apparatus for treating air. It worked wonders for the Brooklyn company that hired him. And this did indeed lower the humidity in the printing plant. Interestingly, at the same time, the temperature came down. Employees wanted suddenly to eat their lunch in the workroom. And Carrier realized that he was onto something. Of course, Carrier's invention not only removed the humidity from the printing room, it also chilled the air. But still, this was considered something for business purposes, not for the average person. But then Hollywood came calling. Up until that point, moving pictures had always taken a huge loss during the summer. No one wanted to spend the hot months in a theater with no ventilation. By the late 1920s, the idea of summer movies was firmly established. Hollywood was rolling in money. And an amazing thing happened. For the first time in human history, people anywhere knew that they had a place to go to escape from the heat. And that cost nothing more than the price of a movie ticket. This was momentous. Movie theaters advertised their AC with marquees frosted over with fake snow, penguins and polar bears, signs with hanging icicles. Sometimes they just propped the lobby doors open wide and let the gush of cold air sweep over passersby. Remember, you can enjoy great motion picture entertainment all summer long in cool comfort at this theater. For decades, most Americans experienced air conditioning only in large commercial spaces like movie theaters, department stores, and hotels. Finally, in the early 1950s, it made its way into the home. RCA, America's finest air conditioner, goes quietly about its business of keeping you comfortable. Air conditioning in the 1950s was not only a comfort item, but it was a real homeowner's status symbol. 
Whether it was a central system or a window unit, everyone knew that you had it, and everyone was impressed. Within five years, Americans were installing more than a million units a year. For many, the home AC unit was a revelation. At the age of six, an aunt of mine bought two air conditioners, which was a scandal in the family because air conditioners were only for rich people. But I also noticed that the, at the next family party, everyone flocked to her living room and stayed there. So I sneaked over to the machine and put my hand out to the grill and there was cool air and I was hooked ever after. America's new addiction set off an extraordinary chain of events. Places in the country that had seemed uninhabitable during summer now had millions of new residents, places like Washington, D.C. Now, most objects tend to expand when they are heated. Up next, though, we find out how the U.S. federal government did not start to truly expand until it was cooled down. have an interesting tale about unintended consequences from history or your own life, please share it with us by emailing flashback at ozzy.com. That's flashback at ozy.com. On the western slope of the grounds that surround the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, there stand two unmarked stone towers. They are surrounded by large shrubs, and most tourists on the mall walk by them without even noticing them. These towers are the end caps for two enormous air ducts leading 400 feet up into the heart of the Capitol building. The air ducts date to 1928, when Congress voted for air conditioning to be installed in both the House and Senate chambers. Willis Carrier himself was hired to oversee the job. Next, AC came to the White House. And then, the Great Depression that gripped America during the 1930s required the federal government to step up and assume new responsibilities for managing the country. A series of federal programs, public work projects, and regulations known as the New Deal were implemented under President Franklin Roosevelt. Roosevelt presided over a massive expansion of the federal government under the New Deal, and he also kick-started a new era of air-conditioned government. Eight new cabinet departments and dozens of sub-cabinet agencies have been created since AC came to DC. There are about six times as many staff members and aides for members of Congress, who of course now work almost all year round. This is Stan Cox, author of Losing Our Cool, A History of Air Conditioning. During the 20th century, the federal government uh, grew in size and probably could not have um, become the big force that it is in our lives now if people had not been able to work year-round, whatever the weather in Washington. Today, the federal government directly employs nearly 400,000 people in the D.C. area. And the national bureaucracy that emanates from D.C. employs more than 9 million more and creates contract work for millions more. Your life would be very different without that big government, the one that cuts social security checks, administers Medicaid, delivers your mail, protects the quality of your air and water, and provides for the national defense. Obviously, air conditioning is not the only factor behind these trends. You can also thank war, depression, population growth, and air travel for a large federal government. 
Still, it's hard to imagine Washington as it is today without Willis Carrier's invention. Think about it. Carrier tries to improve the performance of an industrial printing process. He winds up turning government into one of the biggest industries in the country. So air conditioning helped usher in a new era of cooler, bigger government in D.C. But it was not just a bigger government that air conditioning helped create. The advent of AC also changed the electoral map of America in profound ways. If you cool it, they will come. Phoenix, Arizona is a relatively recent development. Now, at the start of the 20th century, Phoenix was a town of 5,000 people. Salvador Basil again. By 1950, it had struggled up to 106,000 people. But during only the next decade, when air conditioning swept the country, its population more than quadrupled. And today, Phoenix has over a million and a half residents. That is due to AC. Air conditioning makes a huge difference in Arizona. This is Nathan Spruill, a political strategist and the managing director of the Lincoln Strategy Group, a political consulting company based in Arizona. Before, there's stories of folks that lived in Arizona in the 1920s and 30s that in the summertime they would, they would literally sleep on their porch and they would make their blanket wet, put a wet blanket on them and hope that the wind blowing through the porch a screen would keep them cool throughout the night. That's, how, that's about the only way that you could survive in Phoenix prior to air conditioning. Today, Phoenix is a sprawling metropolis, one where summer temperatures routinely top 110 degrees. Unrelenting heat bears down on Phoenix as the temperature shoots towards a record-breaking 120. Fire crews are rushing to handle a surge in heat emergencies. Without air conditioning, Phoenix would not be possible. The same can be said for other large population centers that stretch across the so-called Sun Belt, from Southern California across the Southwest to the Gulf Coast and the Southeast. Cities like uh, Miami, Atlanta, Dallas were not the metropolises that we see today. Stan Cox again. It's no coincidence that that's the, the time when air conditioning was uh, becoming more common. During the 1960s and 70s, air conditioning spread quickly across the South. The combined population of Gulf cities like Houston, New Orleans, and Tampa went from less than half a million before 1950 to more than 20 million today. And that mass migration of people to the Sun Belt has had some major political consequences. Salvador Basil. There was a population shift that completely redrew the political map of the nation, almost flipped it entirely. So far, we've seen how air conditioning helped grow the federal government in Washington. Up next, we learn how states across the southern U.S. managed to convert electric power to electoral power in the late 20th century. We all need a break from the constant cycle to learn something new, to gain new perspectives. The Great Courses Plus streaming service is an excellent resource to expand our knowledge on a variety of subjects or pick up a new hobby. I've been enjoying The Great Courses Plus while researching this season of Flashback. Lectures like Play Ball, The Rise of Baseball as America's Pastime, History of the Supreme Court, and Battlefield Europe have helped me connect the dots on several stories from history. Right now, they're giving our listeners a special limited-time offer, a free month of unlimited access to their entire library. Sign up now through our special URL, 
go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash Aussie. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash O-Z-Y. thegreatcoursesplus.com slash Aussie. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hey, everyone. I'm Mark. I'm Greg. I'm Brendan. And this is a trailer for a new podcast called Get It to Dutch, A Screenwriter's Journey. It's about screenwriting. And a journey. The three of us play aspiring screenwriters on a quest to get a hit Hollywood script to famous producer Dutch Huxley. Well, I would say one of us is aspiring and the other two are sort of struggling. Which one of us is aspiring? Well, they're going to have to listen to the podcast. Hmm, but I don't know, and I made the podcast. Well, I made the podcast, and I think you guys were along for the ride. Each week, we bring in a script, we read it, and then we give each other notes. And you'll also hear about our adventures navigating the Hollywood cesp- uh, system. The show features amazing guests like Tim Robinson, Lily Sullivan, Weird Al Yankovic, and Rob Hubel. Like any great blockbuster, it's filled with heartbreak, adventure, suspense, and just a little tasteful nudity. And some distasteful nudity. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, guys. Listen to Get It to Dutch, a screenwriter's journey on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. During that time from 1960 to, say, 2000, Stan Cox again. All of the major cities in uh, New England and the Rust Belt, except for New York City, lost population, whereas all of the major cities in the South gained population very rapidly. That movement of people meant that the apportionment of seats in the House of Representatives needed adjusting. Cities in in New England and the Rust Belt lost House of Representatives seats, and and they were picked up by by states in in the Sun Belt. In fact, there were uh, 86 um, seats in Congress that went from the northern region to the south. Now, one reason you commonly hear for why the South switched from being Democrat to Republican in the 1960s was the exodus of Southern voters from the Democratic Party after the passage of the Civil Rights Laws. And that did play a part. But the South was becoming more Republican before that. And it was a trend powered not by ideology, but by temperature control. For nearly a century after the U.S. Civil War, only a handful of the South's approximately 100 House members were Republican, just the ones representing some of the mid-Atlantic mountain districts in states like North Carolina. The first district to break that trend and go Republican? 
St. Petersburg, Florida in 1954, three years after AC first hit American homes. Why Florida and why St. Petersburg? Well, what happens is that large numbers of wealthy Northern Republicans, ones who traditionally kept winter homes in places like Florida, start to move South and to stay there year round. So the South gets a massive influx of older conservative voters, voters who would remake the political landscape over the next two decades, culminating with a landmark presidential election in 1980. President Carter, told by his pollster Pat Cadell that it is all over, reportedly is preparing to concede defeat to Ronald Reagan in the 1980 presidential election. When Democrat Jimmy Carter was elected president in 1976, he swept the southeastern United States, including Texas and Florida. Four years later, against Ronald Reagan, Carter won only his home state of Georgia and lost several other states like Mississippi, Alabama, and South Carolina by extremely narrow margins. It's quite possible that the growing power of Reagan and the Republicans in, in the 80s was um, fostered by this um, movement of uh, people from the north to the south. Air conditioning may also have had a hand in another important election, the one in 2000 between Republican George W. Bush and Democrat Al Gore. If all the states had gone red or blue the way they actually did in 2000, but if they had had the distribution of electoral votes that we had had back in 1960 before the migration, then Gore would have won uh, the electoral vote and, and therefore the presidency. Forget the death of John F. Kennedy, or even the Iran hostage crisis that crippled President Carter. You could argue that air conditioning was the worst thing to happen politically to the Democratic Party in the 20th century. But AC is not done shifting the American political landscape. There's a new type of Southern migration underway in the United States, one that should put fear into the hearts of Republicans. Ever since air conditioning helped grow cities like Phoenix during the 1950s and 60s, Arizona has been a reliably Republican state. But that is changing. Nathan Spruill again. Yeah, the, the Democrats definitely performed better in 2018 than most uh, political observers in Arizona thought possible. Spruill knows what he's talking about. For years, he was the executive director of the state's Republican Party. For a long time, many in Arizona assumed that the state's growing number of Democrats was driven by its growing Hispanic population. But what we realized uh, about midway through this decade was that Arizona was beginning to pivot a little bit, but it wasn't because of the Hispanic growth. It was because Arizona was developing, especially in Maricopa County, the Phoenix area, uh, such a successful uh, economy. For years, Arizona's Republican leaders had worked to diversify the state's economy and make it more welcoming to companies from out of state. And it worked, perhaps too well. The unintended consequence of that, though, is that you bring in a lot of workers from California, a lot of workers from Colorado, a lot of workers from the East Coast that have more Democrat-leaning tendencies politically, and they come to occupy the job because their company just moved to Phoenix, Arizona to make set up its corporate headquarters. And so Arizona, as an unintended consequence of its business diversification, has also had a political diversification. As a result, Arizona today has a lot more young, urban, and suburban white voters who tend to lean Democratic, especially on social issues. Arizona is likely to become, uh, for the next for the foreseeable future, uh, a state that, when it comes to the U.S. Senate and presidential campaigns, is going to be a, a battleground state for both parties. Both parties are going to assume that they have a legitimate chance to win it. Uh, and that wasn't the case seven, eight years ago. 
Arizona's trajectory is indicative of a wider trend, a trend still powered by air conditioning. Last year will go down in history as the second hottest year on record in the United States. And yet people continue to migrate south to warmer climates in the American Sun Belt, to places like Arizona, and perhaps even more importantly for the political map, Texas. As of July 1st last year, more than three and a half million people had packed their bags and headed to the Lone Star State since 2010. That's the most growth over any other state. Florida and California follow behind. And that movement continues to have political consequences. 2020 isn't just a presidential election year, it's also a census year. And this is what is going to determine how many electoral votes each state gets. And we already have a pretty good sense of where things are headed. The 2020 census may have been delayed by the coronavirus, but early forecasts from the Census Bureau suggest that several Sunbelt states like California, Arizona, Florida, and Texas will gain House seats in electoral votes, with Texas likely to be the biggest winner with a net gain of three. Texas may be a red Republican-leaning state right now, but here's the interesting thing. The current Sunbelt migration, as Nathan Spruill points out in Arizona, is much different than the one that took place half a century ago. Today's migrants are not older conservatives. They are young liberal millennials in their 20s and 30s who are fleeing northern cities for southern metro areas like Dallas, Phoenix, and Atlanta. Many demographers predict that we should expect states like Arizona and Texas to get increasingly purple and eventually blue as a result. That could be a game changer for Democrats. If Texas is in play, it would mean not only a new political map, but a whole new political battlefield. So what did we learn today? Number one, a quick list of things that would not be possible without air conditioning. Skyscrapers. Phoenix. A large federal bureaucracy in D.C. And southern swing states. Two, we should really have at least one monument in D.C. devoted to Willis Carrier, the inventor of A.C. And finally, members of Congress routinely wilted from the heat of the oven that was once the U.S. Capitol building. Maybe things would get better for all of us if we turned off the A.C. in the building for a while and let them stew a bit. Flashback is written and hosted by me, Sean Braswell, senior writer and executive producer at Ozzy. It was produced by Robert Kulos, Tracy Moran, Yori Odigizua, and Shannon Williamson. Chris Hoff engineered our show. Special thanks to the crew at iHeartRadio Podcast Networks, especially Sophie Lichterman and Jack O'Brien. Make sure to subscribe to Flashback on the iHeartRadio app or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Flashback is the latest podcast from Ozzy, a modern media company producing original TV series, festivals, news, and podcasts for curious people. Ozzy's unique storytelling focuses on the new and the next, whether that's forward-looking news and features, bold new perspectives on TV, or brand new ways of looking at history. Uh, the Obama administration worked out a brand new air conditioning system for the West Wing, and it was so good before they did the system. Now that they did the system, it's freezing or hot in here. And speaking of presidents and air conditioning, Donald Trump has not been the only president to suffer from the effects of Washington's climate. Zachary Taylor died as a result of it. On the 4th of July in the year 1850, Taylor attended a ceremony to commemorate the newly begun Washington Monument. The president sat in full sunlight for two hours in a black suit. 
He became so overheated that he drank a whole pitcher of iced milk to try to stay cool. A few days later, he died from a resulting digestive ailment. To dive deeper, head to ozzy.com slash flashback. That's ozy.com slash flashback. There you can find more of my lecture notes from today's episode, featuring extended interviews, links to further reading, and more information on the unintended consequences of air conditioning, as well as links to other stories from history, uncovered by me and other reporters at Ozzy. Please be sure to support Flashback by rating and leaving a review for us right here in your podcast app. And remember to answer this question about next week's episode for a chance to win a shout-out. What 1995 event helped lead to billions in extra revenue for the NBA? Take your best guess and leave it as a comment in your podcast app, along with your five-star review. Thanks for listening. We all need a break from the constant cycle to learn something new, to gain new perspectives. The Great Courses Plus streaming service is an excellent resource to expand our knowledge on a variety of subjects or pick up a new hobby. I've been enjoying The Great Courses Plus while researching this season of Flashback. Lectures like Play Ball, The Rise of Baseball as America's Pastime, History of the Supreme Court, and Battlefield Europe have helped me connect the dots on several stories from history. Right now, they're giving our listeners a special limited time offer, a free month of unlimited access to their entire library. Sign up now through our special URL. Go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash Aussie. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash O-Z-Y. Thegreatcoursesplus.com slash Aussie. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love comedy movies and Hollywood satire, you're going to want to listen to a brand new podcast called Get It to Dutch. In Get It to Dutch, we play three aspiring screenwriters on a quest to get a script to big-time Hollywood producer Dutch Huxley. Each week on the podcast, we perform a movie script right before your ears. It's like going to a movie with your eyes closed. And we have amazing guest stars, including Tim Robinson, Rob Hubel, Lily Sullivan, Jamie Moyer, and Weird Al Yankovic. Listen to Get It to Dutch, a screenwriter's journey on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.